and welcome back to the Read This Instead podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jean. I'm Kelly. And we're back again um, to talk more about um, books and all things reading. Um, Before we get into our subject matter today, we just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. Thanks to everyone who's downloaded and rated us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And we just really appreciate all the support. So, um, you know, we, we love, we always send each other screenshots when someone says something nice about our podcast. So yes, you it's, keep it's it so up, exciting like, that people are listening. I, it just blows my mind. And thank you so much. And yes, me too. And if you share us on your Instagram story, we will regram you on our, um, our podcast account. So yes. if you want to be featured, <laughs> share us. <laughs> Well, and um, also, um, but, our Instagram account has one of the best things on earth, which is Lord of the Rings memes. Yes, I will say, Kelly, your meme game is like quite good. Well, thank you. It made my week. It, it made a. It, it was a bright spot. So very fun. But yeah, speaking of um, weeks, uh, let's get into some highs and lows before we dive into our topic today so i'm gonna do the super evangelical thing and my low for this week is going to be an unspoken (laughs) (laughs) i I apologize for that but um basically like someone that i'm quite Mm -hmm. close to um has had a very frustrating week at work that's kind of a low Mm -hmm. um but then for my high i mean honestly i i think the biggest high was the fact that someone actually listened to this podcast. I don't know. I'm just blown away. Like I, I, we appreciate it so much and we, and we hope that we continue to make it fun and that it's something, you know, it's not, hopefully it's not just a pity listen. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was, it was just so exciting. Like people were commenting on the Facebook thing and they were texting me and like, um, I mean, it was great. But yeah, um, so that was just, like, really cool. And then, but um, also, okay, so this is just, like, the weirdness of me. I was kind of feeling angsty the past couple of days. So I processed my angst by um, making some mushroom mandalas and just leaving them to be found. (laughs) Um, That's cool. uh, Just, I don't know. I hope they don't creep people out. (laughs) But, um... No, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, so I made I made one on campus, and um, it's just really fun. I I I was as I was making it, I was like, why do I spend money on craft supplies? Honestly, but like, <laughs> so I made made one on campus, and then um, today I was actually um, riding my bike before work, and there's a little lake in our neighborhood, and I went there's so the you know mushrooms really grow well in like kind of moist places and around tree roots so there was a really mushroomy spot so i made a little mandala there um and basically what i when i say that i just mean like i take different mushrooms and i like place them on the ground in a mandala design um and i incorporated a fall leaf what um a red leaf that i found on the ground like i said this is the weirdness of me if you don't like it no i think that's cool I mean, I <laughs> I don't know. It was, if it weirds people out, oh well. But, um, no, I that's a very creative way to express things. Yes, it was very fun. And um, anyway, so you can see the um, I I put a picture um on my other Instagram. I actually have like four Instagrams, but I put it on my um the spare room Instagram. Um, but it was very fun, and hopefully we can get some more rain. Um, and especially as we're moving into fall, if we get some, like, rainy fall days, that's when you can find so many mushrooms. So, anyway, Oh, thank you so much for asking. Um, yeah, so my high was last weekend, um, this past weekend, two days ago, (laughs) podcast time is weird. Um, I just had a really nice weekend where I kind of got to stay in the city and I didn't really have any... Thing I had to take care of. I didn't go out of town. Um, and I started out the weekend by I got Class Pass. Have you heard of the Class Pass app? Oh, what is that? 
Oh, so one of my friends at work has it and convinced me to download it because you get 15 free credits. Basically, it's like this cheap, cheaper way to use like gyms in the city that you don't have to buy a gym membership. And you can try different things and you have certain amounts of credits you can like pay for every month. So I used two of my free credits to go to um, Pure Bar, which is kind of like a mix of ballet and Pilates. And mm. I have not been, I've never been a group workout person. I haven't done anything like this in like years and I haven't really sore, but it felt good. And I went back to another one tonight again. And I'm kind of also using it to like explore the city and like go different places. Like there's one in the Gulch and there's one in like the Hillsborough area and it was really intense, but it was good. And then um, Saturday, I also just like got some stuff done. And then I went to my, my, one of my friends from work was in a ballet recital and it was really cool. It was um like, and it uh, like it was based off like um the egyptian like um like m- belief about like the duat and how like the soul goes like through the underworld or whatever and then it's like weighed to see if it's like lacking or not and she and her boyfriend were like the main characters in the ballet and they were awesome and he was anubis which i thought was funny because i feel like people in literature always are like crushing on anubis which i think is kind of funny yeah, um, and then Sunday, I took my little cousin to the Wilson County Fair, which was, whew, it was it was an intense thing, let me tell you. So many people, I got very sick on one of the rides, and um, just as an adult, going back to the, like, I haven't been to the fair since, like, I think, like, we volunteered at one in, like, when I was, like, in elementary school or something with some kind of station, but, like, it like I, I don't I'm I'm not really a fair person to be honest with you and I went with her because she asked me to but I don't really love fairs there was like a guy dressed up as a clown that like I think could smell fear and kept following us around and like no, no. I definitely hid behind this 14 year old girl it was scary and then there was a lot of like gross food like they deep fried everything and then it's like sketchy these people who do these games like and I don't know how this works the people who bring the games, I don't know if they're actually like property of the fair TM, whatever. And if so, they're getting ripped off because it's all cash. It's all unregulated. It's so, like they're definitely pocketing a good amount of it. But also it's like, it is so sketchy. And then I literally think these two guys like just rolled up, like not sanctioned in any way by the Wilson County Fair Corporation or whatever it is rolled up with like a laundry basket, a stop sign and a softball and made it into a game. And I saw them pocketing like fifties, like for really crappy stuff. And I was like, I think this is a game we used to play like in the backyard as children. It was like the dumbest thing. At least like the guy that like has like the balloons, like they put some work into it and like, it's like, okay, that's like a standard growing balloon game. But this other thing I was like, what are you doing? Like, I didn't play the games, but Katie did. Um, well, did you? It was wild. That um, you know that like carnies used to have kind of their own little slang language. They do. I do know that from reading books. Yeah, like it's interesting. They're very sketchy. <laughs> it, it's very. It's it's not my favorite. Uh, it's not my favorite place to be, but it is interesting because it is funny. There's so many like books and movies and tv shows like i kept thinking of that one scene from cruel summer that just really encapsulate uh, the sketchiness of a county fair so well and i was like i do feel like i'm main well maybe more like side charactering in this movie um and yeah it was different and katie won this big stuffed rainbow llama from one of the games and I have never been so afraid of being stolen from in my life. I insisted on holding it because we had seven, at least seven times someone tried to steal it from us. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is a stuffed animal. You can probably get it $10 from Walmart. So it was a circus. Not to be funny. Uh, Adults children. Oh my word. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. But it was, it was like a hot commodity, I guess. Um, no, but it, but it was fun. I'm I'm being facetious. It was it was fun to go with her. Um, yeah. And then my second high is I got to snuggle a sweet baby at work today, so that was really fun. Um, yeah. Um, and then my low. Um, last week was I think I touched on this in our last episode. Last week was just really rough, but um, 
kind of coming out of that just work stuff and um was really heavy and this week though my low is I don't know if it's because of that or if it's just me I am I wouldn't I'm not gonna say it's writer's block because I don't want to jinx myself but I am not making good progress on my book and it just kind of bums me out and Things have been busy, so maybe, like, I think, like, I'm hoping I can catch back up, but I just kind of hit a wall this weekend, but I'm going to keep trying at it, and all the writing advice that I've consumed on Instagram and other means of consuming it, just say, even if you're not feeling it, sit down every day and write a certain amount of words, which I was trying to do, but I just, I hated everything I wrote, and, like, I feel like it wasn't flowing well, and... I don't know. I think I might, um, yeah, I don't know. I might give myself like a mini writer's retreat tomorrow night and like just camp out at a coffee shop or something and um, get some inspiration. But Would it help break your block to tell the audience more of like what your book is about? I think that would make the block worse, but thank you for asking. It It's okay. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's a personal goal that if it doesn't get done when I want it to get done, nothing's like writing on it it's not like I have an advance or something um but yeah so do you want to do the random question generator okay the one I had pulled up if you were offered the position of mayor of your city would you take it no no every every <laughs> magic bicycle book and every adventures of odyssey episode has taught me that mayors are fundamentally evil and flawed <laughs> and the linchpin of civilization they are always bad, aren't they? They are. Um. Well, what about you? Well, I would definitely not take it. And the reason is, I live in a quite a small town. Um, and there are local Facebook pages in my town that are very dangerous places to be, very terrifying places to hang out. Um, and one of them is comments on any post that our mayor puts on Facebook. <laughs> um, oh just, no. It is a terrifying place. Um and, you know, he'll just he'll just post about some completely neutral thing and then people are in the comments like what about the schools and blah blah blah. <laughs> like I just can't imagine like um I don't, I don't know. There there are some people in my town that have way too much time on their hands. And it just sounds exhausting to be the mayor and everyone and just have to deal with that all the time. It just sounds awful. And for very little, like, actual power. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a reason they all become evil. Okay, so, um, so tonight, um, we are... For, for this episode, we're actually taking a slight um, bit of a rabbit trail. So we're not doing um, exactly our typical format of like, you know, here's this crap book, here's this good book. Um, going off the beaten path just a little bit, but still saying, still staying in the basic realm of books. Um, and what we are doing. So one of the books that we're going to be reviewing um in a future episode is called the wife upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. And it is the, the worst, most obnoxious, awful, just terrible in every way. Um, kind of retelling, remixing, whatever you would call it of Jane Eyre. Like I hate it so much. Yeah. It's, it's beyond. It's so bad. It's not even, Bad in a way that's frustrating because people talk about it. People, I've seen people on Instagram who are like bookstagrammers talk about it as a thriller that they really enjoyed. People who have no idea it was even supposed to be based off Jane Eyre. People who have never read Jane Eyre and they just start eating it up. And it drives me insane. I'm like, this is, even if you, yeah, and I'm like, what did you think was happening? (laughs) Like, did this not seem like a weird setup to you? I don't know. That's so weird. Well, yeah, there we have so much to talk about with that one, but um, we're we're waiting because we haven't quite found the right read this instead, um, and we're working on that. But in the search for the read this instead, I was like, hmm. Well, 
you know, maybe there's some other retellings that are good. And so I kind of went down this rabbit hole in terms of retellings of Peter Pan, specifically. Um, because there are a lot. There are a lot of Peter Pan retellings. And I was like, why are there so many Peter Pan? Peter, Peter, Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. Something about those two books. There's just a lot of, like, retellings of them. Um, and I was like, well... I guess, like, the, the original Peter Pan, if you think about him, like, he's, it is kind of terrifying. Um, and, yeah. But then, I, but then I realized, I was like, wait a second. I never actually read the original Peter Pan. I grew up watching the Disney movie, and there was also, and we'll talk about this, there was, like, a, like a taped stage play. Sarah, do you remember that? Was it the one where the girl was playing Peter Pan? Yeah, Mary Martin. I I never liked that one, but yes, I do remember it. Yeah, so I I actually liked that one because we used to watch it in we in Washington State a lot. Um, there were some friends who really liked it, and we would watch that one. Um, I had totally forgotten about that one. Um, then it, it's actually like closer to the book. Um, and the Disney movie, which, you know, surprise, surprise. But as I was reading the original Peter Pan, I was like, oh, what? This was in that play version. Um, so have you read the original Peter Pan? I've, okay, I, I have read an abridged copy of the original Peter Pan as a child at Nan and Pap's house. I don't know if you oh. remember, they had that collection of abridged classics in the back. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how abridged it was. But I read that, and I don't really remember. Okay, so I had I had literally never read the original book, and it was I kind of maybe thought that I had, and then I was like, wait, no, I've never read this. Um, so I went back and read it, and I mean, it's amazing. Like, obviously, <laughs> this this book was written in 1911, um, and obviously there are aspects of it that have not aged very well. Um, there's some kind of racist things about it, and there's also, um, so there's some things about it that initially appear appear very sexist. I think, actually, when you look at it, there's, there's a lot more going on. It's, I'm not saying that it isn't sexist, because, like, it is, but, um, it's in a, there's, it's kind of more nuanced and complicated. Um, but basically, what do you remember from the abridged version that you read as a kid? Well, honestly, the only thing I remember was that I I remember thinking Peter was definitely a lot more mischievous in the book in a way that was kind of scary. I remember Tinkerbell being more obnoxious, even more obnoxious than the movie. Um, and I don't know where a good place is for this. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to add, and I can add this later if you want me to. I was just going to pop in with a little bit about J.M. Barry's life and how I think it impacted the book, but I could say that later if you want me oh to. Oh my gosh, no. Let's talk about that, because I read some stuff about him, too. Did um, you? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I, told, I was so, in a hole. Excellent. No, I I want to hear what you found. The, the biggest thing that keeps popping up, of course, is about the death of his brother, David, when David was 14. Yes. And David... <laughs> on the ice and a lot of people think that it was Jamie this writer J.M. Barry who accidentally tripped him and that's what caused his mom to reject him um oh which is god. really sad oh my god and that seems like it would really play into this idea of the lost boys who are never who would literally literally Peter Pan would literally rather kill them than let them grow any older and maybe that's like him channeling feeling like Maybe somewhere inside of him, he was channeling, he was like balancing his guilt with saying, well, at least he never had to go through adulthood. At least he never had to go through these things everyone else had to go through because I accidentally killed him as a young yeah, child. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. Jay and Barry had some mommy issues. <laughs> um, he did. And, and it, it, it yeah. basically, Peter, it Pan, Peter Pan is like mommy issues, the novel. It seems like he would. He was. And that seems. To make more sense with the weird Wendy and Lost Boys relationship. And um, some people think they apparently, too, like his mom found a lot of comfort thinking that his brother would always be like in this permanent state of innocence and yeah. death, like this permanent state of good. And yes. it's unnerving. 
Yeah, no. Okay, did you... So, I knew you would love this Brothers thing when I came across it. I was like, Sarah's gonna love this. <laughs> because what, cause what I read was that um, David, the brother who died young, was like the golden child sibling. And uh, JM, or James, or which also interesting, um, James Hook... Captain Hook is James Hook, and he his first the author's name was James. I don't know if there's something there or not, but um, but yeah, like um, anyway, I guess uh, J M J M Barry was always trying to live up to his older brother David, and then actually after he died and his mom was just so crushed, um, J M like dressed up in his brother's clothes, his dead brother's clothes. And I saw that. Was, yeah, so he was he was basically trying to like become David for his mom, essentially. Ooh, don't like that. <laughs> but, well, and and not even necessarily in a creepy way. I don't. I like. I mean, it is kind of creepy, but um, I don't know the. I don't think he was trying to be creepy. I think he was he was just trying to like step into David's role, kind of thing. So here's my question. Um, do you think, okay, what do you think? Do you think that J.M. Barry saw himself as Captain Hook and his brother as Peter Pan? Because at first I was like, maybe he saw himself as Peter Pan a little bit because he's the one who wants to stop the Lost Boys from growing up. But then I was, I was reading more about like Captain Hook and first the name James is like kind of a giveaway, but also like they're caught in this eternal never ending conflict, which (laughs) even after his brother died. I'm sure Jamie was wrestling with this for the rest of his life and probably always felt like the ghost of his brother was there overshadowing his relationship with his mom, overshadowing his own guilt, overshadowing everything. And like, it's just this eternal, like arch enemy-ness. And then, you know, he's the one who stopped Peter Pan, his brother from growing older. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's interesting. I I actually want to take that a step further. Please. Um, so at the end of the book, made it almost made me think that, well, I'll just read it and we'll see what you think. So it's after, like, they take over the pirate ship, kill, kill all the pirates. Uh, like, Peter Pan's, like, the new captain of the pirate ship, right? It said, um, general feeling was that Peter was honest just now to lull Wendy's suspicions, but that there might be a change when the new suit was ready which, against her will, she was making for him out of some of Hook's wickedest garments. It was afterwards whispered among them that on the first night he wore this suit, he sat long in the cabin with Hook's cigar holder in his mouth and one hand clenched, all but for the forefinger, which he bent and held threateningly aloft like a hook. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I don't know. To me, it was kind of like, is Peter Pan becoming the new Hook? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I. Well, uh, I was gonna say, and, and then of course it goes on where, um, you know, Peter comes back and comes back and finds Wendy's daughter and stuff like that, and so it seems like he still re- remains Peter Pan, and that's like you know the his whole thing is that he never changes, um. But I don't know. It just kind of made me think like, is, is was he trying to say that there's something fundamentally similar about Peter Pan and Captain Hook? Yeah, I I don't know if this is right, but I did see something someone had written where originally Captain Hook was not even in the book and Peter Pan was just the main villain. Um oh. and it's probably good they he added Hook in the book because Hook in the book, huh? in the book. because otherwise all these children's productions would have fell flat cuz they If Peter Pan was the villain, that's really dark for a children's book. Um oh, sure. I mean movie. Uh, well, and also, I mean, look, I stand Captain Hook as a villain. He's a great villain. What? As a villain. Dude, I could not get over the hat. That purple hat with the big plume on it. It's uh-uh. awesome. Um, no, like, no, obviously, like, I don't like Captain Hook as a person. I think he's a great villain. Like, he's got, like, uh, style. Oh, you know what else I saw about Captain Hook was he, that the secret identity of Captain Hook or whatever, according to J.M. Barry's, like, the canon, yeah. is it supposed to be, like, Blackbeard's son or something? That's so interesting. Actually, it was, it was interesting because, um, I meant to look this up, but he talks about him like he was a real person. Because he's, like, um, 
when the first time that they meant that Peter Pan mentions Captain Hook, like the children recognize the name. And then there's later oh, like he's like, Oh, well, um he's like Hook had gone to a very good public school, which in England it's like opposite. Like public school means like a really elite private school. I don't know, England, it's weird. But um He's like, I, you know, I can't tell you which school because it will give it away. But like, and that's where he got his obsession with good form and all that stuff, which that wasn't really in the Disney movie. That was in that was in Hook, the movie Hook. But um, yeah, like uh, it's interesting. So I, I don't know. I, I think he's a great villain. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think he's great. But um, what's interesting is in the taped stage play and in most productions most play productions and actually peter pan was originally a play and then it was a book and then it became a play again and then it became a movie, and a movie. i didn't know that yeah it started it started as a play it was kind of a novelization i guess of the, or like you know a, an expanding a expanded expansion of the play but um in a lot of the play productions the same actor plays hook and mr darling the dad Yes. She's very Freudian. Yeah. I, 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 I think about that all the time. Actually, I think that is interesting. And they, I think even in the cartoon, it was the same voice actor, wasn't it? Or was it? Oh, I don't know. It might have been. That's fascinating. Also, uh, fun side note, um, back to him being a stylish villain. Um, apparently there's a live action film coming, Peter Pan and Wendy, and guess who's playing him? Oh boy. Is it Johnny Depp? No, it's Jude Law. Oh. And apparently Tom Hiddleston voiced him like some kind of Disney show or something. I was like, oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Sorry, that was a side note, but yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that ooh, well, we, maybe we'll have to do a um, a follow up to this episode. And talk. So, and well, we will have to do a follow up to this episode because there are so many Peter Pan retellings, and I I just began to dip a toe. Um, but yeah, like um, so the original book it's very British. It's very British. Um. It has this kind of, like, weird humor and social commentary. And then it also has this kind of very special kind of magical fantasy um, quality to it that is based in mythology and things like that. And so when I say it has the weird humor and social commentary, so (laughs) I don't know if you remember this. This happened in the stage play version. But, um... So basically, and and also in the Disney, do you remember how their nursemaid is a dog, Nana? Yes! Oh, I love so her. I didn't even, when you read the original book, it's actually like, I didn't realize as a kid that that was supposed to be like comedic. <laughs> like, I just kind of like accepted it. Like, oh yeah, why wouldn't it be a dog? Um, but basically in the original book, they're kind of a... They're kind of like a lower middle class family, the Darlings, and they ha- kind of have pretensions to being a higher class than they are. And they, oh, they kind of a- want to have these trappings of wealth or whatever. Um, but it's but then they were like, but alas, the only nursemaid they could afford was a dog. <laughs> um, That's so funny. it's just very like social commentary. And then so. Um, so after so the so the reason that the kids escaped away with Peter Pan was that Mr. Darling got mad at the dog because he was being an idiot and um tied her up outside for the night and she wasn't in the nursery to protect the kids and he felt so bad about that he got really overly really overly uh dramatically Sorry for that. That he he lives in the dog's kennel. Oh my goodness! <laughs> That's so unhinged. This was in the play version, this, and it's like so. It, it feels like it feels like there was something specific that Jay and Barry was kind of mocking at the time. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it's, he just gets like this very maudlin, like sentimental, performative, um, 
Like, I, you know, I'm just so, so, so sorry. And I don't deserve to, to in the house. So the dog will live in the house and I'll go live in the dog kennel. And then he like, he like hires people to like carry the kennel to his work. <laughs> he like does his work in the kennel and goes home. It's just like crazy. Um, Oh my God. It's the way that it's described. It's like funny. It's it's like very witty and clever. So it has that, which is just like a very British thing to me. And then it also has this whole aspect of like, like I feel like there there's so many um, British books and and shows and whatnot where they're like, um, you know, we have we we're like this, you know, quote unquote, uh, not sophisticated. What is the word? Um, civilized. We're like this civilized. But we have this very kind of mystical pagan past, and maybe it's not as far away as we'd like to think. Yeah. Um. And that that is like the theme of like, so like Narnia, Tolkien, like you know, all, so many of these things. Um. But anyway, it very much has that. So because I want the so let's talk about the character of Peter, because, um, kind of in the Disney version, he's just he's kind of mischievous but he's mostly good like you mostly he's mostly like a good guy and then in a lot of he just seems like he might be on the spectrum or something in the in the cartoon like he just seems like he really doesn't know or care what's happening and he's just like an over-the-top enneagram seven where he's just out to have a good and anyone who gets in his way is annoying to him but like he does never seems evil no, I wouldn't say but, evil. In the cartoon, or at least in most people's memories, cultural memories of the cartoon, he's mostly a good guy. And then with a lot of the modern retellings, they lean really hard into, like, no, he's pure evil. He's pure, like, psychopath, you know, kidnapping kids. Um, but what he what he really is, um, he, he comes from a folklore tradition. So Pan is, I, I want to say Pan is like a centaur. From Greek myth. Oh, he's a fawn. He was a fawn. He's a fawn. Actually. I'm sorry, not sorry. centaur. I meant fawn. Um, and that's where he has the pan pipes and stuff like that. That was from Greek mythology. But anyway, have you ever read or seen Midsummer Night's Dream? I feel like I've overread it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Peter Pan is very much in that tradition, and very much in the old, old traditional understanding of fairies. Which is like pure chaos. I, I forget what they call it on like the D and D and D orientations. Um, but anyway, uh, it's not that he's evil. It's not that he necessarily wants to hurt you. But like you said, he just doesn't care. Like he has his own priorities. He's chaotic. Yeah, he's chaotic, and he he has his own priorities. And like in the book, it talks a lot. Like he he kind of forgets who people are if he's not around them. Um. And there's, he's, in in a certain sense, he's a dangerous person to be around. Um, because his goal is not necessarily to, like, protect you. So, anyway, it's just very interesting. Like, I think the, the character of Peter and is he bad, evil, good, what is he? I think that's a really interesting question. I think that is interesting, and I haven't read the book in a and clearly a very long time and I would need to reread this before I can say this with certainty, but it is interesting, like you said, where it has they the adaptations have to make him this binary thing where he's either completely this like evil, maniacal, you know, like very clever villain, or he's just this like innocent hero trying to like have a good time. But you're right, like in the book I was I'm sure we read kind of the same article on this one, but kinda of like you were saying, like he's not it's it's almost like a it, it is like a child whose frontal lobe has not developed and who does not like you know that experiment they do with kids who have a proper developmental age where they literally can't understand like empathy or someone else's perspective not because they don't want to but because they haven't developed to that point yet right, right. and it seems like he just like that yeah like you know where he like you said he's very impulsive and not like callous but like he's just not capable of quite. He's kind of like the Cheshire cat. There's also a character that annoyed me. Because, like, you thought he had your back, but really he was just like, I don't know. Um, or, or um, well, and, and Tolkien has some characters like that, where, like, with Shelob, um, she is not necessarily that she's evil in the way that Sauron is. Oh, yeah. Okay, John Mark says she is. Never mind. But, um, 
But yeah, he he's like a perpetual ten year old boy with um, you know, a perpetual ten year old boy's priorities. Yeah, it's not like he's evil or good really in the book. He just kind of represents maybe someone who, I I guess, and and overall, I guess this was like a cautionary tale that Mister Barry was writing to those kids that he was living with at the time about like, you know, if you don't like accept responsibility as like an adult and you don't like move on like this kind of like i don't know sorry john mark just um saltily brought in the two towers and showed me a passage where it says it calls shelob an evil thing oh my god so, <laughs> that is evil well i was gonna say tom bombadil is pure chaos in the way that peter pan is mm-hmm. but i don't think that's true because he does actively rescue the hobbits I feel like Peter Pan would rescue people in the right situations. If if he felt like it. If he right. Yeah. Um But no, I think you hit on this, Sarah, that like we're really uncomfortable with that kind of character. Yeah. Culturally. Yeah, it I think it is I think I agree with you because it's um I feel like it's the same way that like I'm trying not to eat my words here. I feel like it's the same way that you see some of the scarier some of the more complex mental health conditions represented in media where like someone with schizophrenia in a movie or TV show is never just some dude taking his lithium, living his life. It's always someone who's also a murderer um, is also a psychopath. Like it's, it's, it is like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, th- okay. Speaking of which, well, here, here's one more thing about this while we're on this. Now I'm envisioning a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum is Tom Bombadil from Lord of the Rings. On the other end of the spectrum is the Joker. In the middle is is Peter Pan. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say. Maybe a little bit more toward Tom. Yeah, but no, I I think that's completely fair. Um, because he's not chaotic and evil but he's not chaotic and nice yeah he's he's not evil, but he's not good he's it's kind of like that quote from the fantastic mr fox at the end of the day i'm just a wild animal where he's kind of just going with his um libido is not the right word um what's the word i'm uh his id i don't know um what i'm trying to say and that's interesting because one thing about Wendy from the book is that she has like a like a, a a someday dream of living with like a wolf that she's taking care of or something. Yeah, yeah. And well, she has a pet wolf that I imagine, and then it, but then it kind of is never spoken of again. But I kind of feel like that's maybe a little bit about like Peter, where it's like he's not a dog and he's not a like he's not. Like he, um, maybe kind of like the, maybe that can even like be contrasting with Nana, but like he, um, he's kind of a little bit of a wild creature yeah. in some ways where he's, he's kind of going off like baser instincts and stuff. So. No, absolutely. He, he is wild. Well, and it's kind of like if you took the quote from Narnia, he is not a tame lion. And then he didn't add the, but he is good. Yeah. That's true. He's he's not tame. Absolutely not tame. Okay, and actually, speaking of Narnia, so I wanted to ask you about this. Um, What do you think of Wendy compared to Susan Pevensey? Oh, interesting. Um, That is a good point because I can definitely see, like, some in their Venn diagram of similarities, they both turn away from this magical imagination world to go back to quote unquote the real world they both want to grow up and have a normal life but in a very different sense susan didn't just well uh, i feel like i have to back up to where it was such a different type of world and such a different type of magic and i feel like their reasons for turning away from it were so different where i feel like for susan it was no longer serving her and then for wendy it was like she realized there's just nothing good in that yeah, world and nothing good that, yeah exactly i think you hit the nail on the head and i just think it's very interesting because towards the end of the book there's a quote where it says um so wendy did grow up but don't feel bad for her because she was the sort that likes to grow up 
and it just really made me think of Susan. It brought it brought Susan to mind, mm. and like throughout the book, um, Wendy represents maturity. She represents nurturing, like parenting. Um, even when she's in Neverland, like she's taking care of everybody, and this is where some of the the sexism stuff comes in because, like, um, you know, she literally like all their clothes, cooks all their food, like does all their all the work for all these boys. Um, but I don't. I think it's simplifying it to be just like, oh, well, that was so sexist, and not that it wasn't, but it's like, um. I think it has more to do with, like, she was taking on the parent role, the responsible role. She was trying to be the adult in the room wherever she was. And, um, you know, and so she chose to grow up as she was supposed to. Um, But what's interesting is, um, as an adult, when Peter comes back and hits her daughter Jane, um, Peter comes back to get her daughter Jane, and Wendy wakes up in the nursery and sees him, and she believes in him again, and she lets Jane go with him to have an adventure. Well, oh, actually, yeah. technically, so Jane says she's going to go do a spring cleaning, but anyways, but like, um, oh my god, <laughs> but yeah, like, so she she's confronted again with Peter Pan as an adult, and she doesn't reject it. She continues to believe in it, and she like passes that magic on to her child, and that's maybe where she's different from Susan, where Susan had the opportunity to leave in Narnia again as an adult and she rejected it. Um, I don't know. I just think mm. there's a lot to think about there. Oh, I think that's fascinating. And um, I feel like Susan also really turned her back on her family in a lot of ways too, um, which it didn't think Jane did. Um, so I, I wanted to pull into um, that paper I was talking about that I wrote in college, um, like um, with Dorian Gray and, Peter Pan that was about the soul it drew in a lot about like Jungian psychology which I feel like I talk about all the time but basically just that idea of shadow and all that and um what what do you think that the shadow represents in Peter Ooh, Pan? like Peter Pan's shadow oh, yeah the shadow of Peter Pan yeah. no sorry <laughs> the shot the shadow of Peter Pan the shadow from Peter Pan <laughs> Peter Pan's shadow right. <laughs> No. So I I thought I'm sorry. No, like like the fact that his shadow was like a literal object in the book. Yeah, like um I I don't know if I can tell you what exactly that means, but it's definitely meaningful. Because there's a I, there's I a agree. lot of um there's a lot of shadows and doppelgangers kind of in the book. So there's like the, you know, hook versus dad and the similarities there. There's like Hook versus Pan. Are they two sides of the same coin? Are they, you know, um, in a symbiotic relationship somehow? There's, like, Wendy versus Peter. Um, there's, like, John and Michael versus the Lost Boys. Like, there's a lot of things like that. And I think, yeah, you could ask, like, is Hook Peter's shadow self and vice versa? Well, according to Yenian psychology, the shadow is, like, it's like the manifestation of like a moral deficiency, like a part of you that's instinctive, irrational, um, kind of all those things. We were kind of, kind of a darker version of what we were saying about Peter Pan. So, if anyone is anyone's shadow, it's almost like Neverland is the shadow of the real world. I don't know, but I'm trying to remember because in Indian psychology, he has the shadow, he has the persona. Which I don't know if that'd be Wendy or if that'd be Peter. And then he always has the anima and the animus. And I kind of think that um, Tinkerbell will be the anim- anima because it talks a lot because she's um, kind of like the gateway to the magical world with the pixie dust. And she um, like is seen as someone who can only hold one emotion at a time. And she's very like um, connected to him. I don't know. Um, and the, anyway, the whole point of shadow, getting shadow psychology is as most developmental theories kind of about growing up and how in order to really achieve balance with yourself, you have to meet the shadow fight with the shadow basically, which definitely could be Peter Pan and Captain Hook going at it. And then you merge with the shadow and then you assimilate it. Um, but I don't know if we really see that. Because he kind of stays, I guess, I guess the assimilation could be literally seen 
when Hook is absorbed by the alligator crocodile. But Or maybe, like, the assimilation is that Peter should have defeated Captain Hook and then gone on to be, like, an actual sailor or an actual captain or, like, some kind of grown-up role. But yeah. instead he failed to to progress in that way. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. I think you're right. Um, and isn't I, is it in the book where he loses his shadow? Is that yeah, that's in the, the book. book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he he physically loses his shadow, and then it's interesting because you talked about the shadow being kind of the bad impulses and the you know the dark self because he immediately tries to reattach it. Oh, so he show- Oh, that's interesting. So maybe that's he. That's what he really wants. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to in the darling's house and, and grew up yeah it's just yeah, yeah it's just really interesting like there i think there's a reason that there's been so many retellings of this and it's so um culturally such a cultural touchstone because there's just like a lot of stuff going on in that book i i think you're right i i feel like next time we need to do alice in wonderland <laughs> yeah definitely definitely that's fascinating yeah no i i I yeah, I love this. I'm definitely going to be doing some more of a deep dive. Yeah, and the other the other thing that's interesting is whenever I go back and read um, these kind of Victorian era children's books, such as uh, Inez Bit is another example. Um, there will be so many things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can tell that C.S. Lewis read this as a child. Aww. <laughs> like there's, there's a that's lot of sweet. things in Inez, but like that, and there were a lot of things in this one because he the the original book talks about. Um, Neverland is kind of this this place where things that you dream in the real world are like real in Neverland. Oh yikes! So I hope and, not. But well, but th- but C.S. Lewis asked that question though. Remember the Island of Dreams, or the Dark Island? Oh yeah, that part was always so creepy. Yeah, in Don Treader, like I could kind of see like the Peter Pan being in his mind, where this idea of like, um you know, dream this land yeah. where anything you can dream or imagine, it becomes real and like the dark side of that. Um, but it also, there, there's kind of, there kind of some language that was used there. And I, I don't remember the exact quote. It, I could see some connections between that and certain parts of the last battle where like huh? Neverland is just supposed to be this like magical place where kind of anything that you can, like things that just were dreams and shadows and hints in the real world, they're like real there. Oh. So, because, like, the, the wolf that you mentioned with Wendy, she used to, like, always pretend that she had a pet wolf in England. Um, and then she had one for real in Neverland. Oh. That is fascinating. That's an interesting angle. I didn't know about that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you really should read the whole book when you get a chance. Because there's just, like, it, it's really, really, really good. It's really beautiful. I definitely will. And I kind of want to read the Little White Bird book that was, like, the predecessor to it or whatever yeah so there was yeah i I was reading about that too so like not only are there all these redoings of peter pan but there were all these like pre-versions of peter pan because there was the play there was this white bird thing and there was peter pan in kensington gardens which was like the original it was like a little short story that he made up um i think i have like officially reached the like depths of the internet apparently there's like some fan thing that someone made i don't know if it's a tv show or a book or just a website but it's basically where it says peter is later revealed to be the alpha vampire and <laughs> is the main antagonist of lost boys the thirst as a vampire his blood was used as part of a drug called the thirst. then he turned michael into a half vampire after Destroying him in a motorcycle race. What the heck? What is the name of this? I'm trying to find out. I don't know. Um, I think it's it was on Lost Boys Wiki. Oh my word. So, I'm going to it right now. The, I, I agree. That sounds like the depths of the internet. <laughs> Unnecessary vampires. But I do think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the greatest and the best adaption of Peter Pan oh, of all Without time. a doubt. Um, do you want to talk about it since you wrote it? Yeah. Uh, well, I think you wrote part of it. Um, but oh, I did. I did. You're right. I forgot. Well, and after this conversation, um, it I I realized how unoriginal it was. 
No. Because it 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 did um it went it went straight for the Peter Pan is pure evil and Hook was misunderstood. <laughs> well, once you Okay, here's my thing. Once I saw Peter Pan as an evil villain in pop culture, I could not unsee it. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, if if you were a pirate captain, there was this obnoxious boy that cut your hand off. I mean, can you really blame him for being mad about that? I can't. It does seem like, you know, to quote Tangled, he needed to find another dream. Because <laughs> it, there's just so long that you can care about these things. And it seems like it had been a couple decades. Okay, okay. But so. like, Voldemort versus Harry. Harry never did a thing to Voldemort. Peter Pan did. He cut off Captain Hook's hand. Well, but I mean, but Voldemort was was not just going after Harry because he was annoyed at him. It was because he thought he was blocking his entrance to eternal life, which Peter Pan, you know, Peter Pan may have been trying to push him out of Neverland and back into the real world where he probably would have died in 50 years. So that's true. I guess they were maybe that he had a bigger end game than we know. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Captain Hook is evil. It's just kind of like I can understand why he was mad at Peter Pan. Saying, yeah, fair enough. Somebody cut fair off enough. my hand and fed it to a crocodile, and then the crocodile was chasing me around constantly, coming back for the to eat the rest of me. Like maybe he should have concentrated his efforts at the crocodile instead. He never tries to saying. kill the crocodile, which is interesting. Yeah, maybe because he like was hoping his hand was. Well, and I read something yeah. that um, it's it saw the crocodile with the t- the ticking clock as kind of a symbol of mortality. Oh, that is interesting. I thought about that too. That makes sense when yeah. I saw that. But anyways, yeah. so our our um amazing version. So um, but um back in the ancient days of like 2015 or so, Sarah and I were utilizing the as then fairly new to us technology of Google Docs, um to write. We had so many comments on that thing. Yes, and so this was kind of a this was kind of a book that we were writing together, and it was kind of like Once Upon a Time in the sense that it was a bunch of fairy tale characters mashed together in the modern world, but in a much larger sense, it was nothing like Once Upon a Time. Um, although I will say, um, it was maybe similar to Once Upon a Time in the sense that it got bogged down with too many characters and a plot that went nowhere. I'd say that's true. <laughs> Yeah, but, so Peter Pan in this version, um, and I actually want to make a bonus episode where we can read some of these passages to you guys so you can hear what we're talking about, but basically he was kind of like this evil, impish, uh, horrifying creature that I think he, like, sucked the life force out of people, I think. I'm trying to remember. I, I feel like I'm getting it confused with Once Upon a Time. Yeah, no, I, and I'm, I'm getting it confused with the the Christina Henry retelling that I read. So, but we'll 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 do a special episode where we read some of that. But basically, it was one of these things where um, Hook was just living his life. Peter Pan attacked him, and then uh, Hook realized, and he, he wasn't even called Hook, but. <laughs> the Hook character, he realized that, like, um, Peter Pan is, like, this evil, malevolent creature that sucks away people's life force and kills them so so he can keep living. And so he's trying to hunt down Peter Pan to kill him because he's, like, a menace to the world. And I, I think he also did some other vigilante uh, side missions, uh, I do believe. He he was a pretty cool yeah, guy. Yeah, no, he was, like, a, well, he was low-key human trafficking people. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he was like, no, 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 he was the, in- the Captain Hook? No, he was helping them, I thought. Wait, I'm was trying he- to remember. I think he... I think he was saving he was the tra- Yeah, I think he was trying to, like, help them, like, help, uh, like, war refugees and stuff. I think he was trying to help them. Um, the, the traffickers, like, found him. No, okay, I remember now. Sorry, the traffickers found him with his hand cut off by Peter Pan. And he woke up to find that they had put a hook on his hand. Which, like, why would anyone help? But they did. And they they wanted him to, like, help them do the trafficking. But, yeah, no, he was saving the people. Yeah, no, he was a a good guy, but he was kind of like Victor in a sense where, if I remember correctly, he didn't really 
feel anything anymore. He didn't feel anything, Emma. Like, he didn't, like, feel empathy necessarily. He was kind of doing the right thing. Out of, I don't know. It was, like, it was really interesting how you wrote it. Because I think, I think we were kind of hinting at something, like, maybe his soul had been taken or something. Yeah, well, I will say, I, I don't know why, but I love the character. I, I love the sociopath characters. You do. I, you I love psychopath with um, your number. Well, I don't. To me, there's something. There's something about a character. Um, there's something about like like Spock, for instance, where he doesn't feel or says he doesn't feel. Um, he doesn't feel really like love for anyone or or connection with anyone. Um, he still chooses to do the right thing, even though. Like, I guess his brain is not rewarding him with, like, you know, the serotonin boost from, like, feeling good about what you do or something. Like, he has no emotional reward, but he, like, still does the right thing because it's the right thing. I don't know. I'm into it. Anyway, Um, this was kind of our rambling episode about Peter Pan. Um, obviously, this could be a whole college course. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like, um... I'm 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 gonna be doing a lot more reading in between this episode and the next, and I might have more to, to add if we ever did a part two, if the people requested, or if there's something else you guys think pops up in the in as Kelly said, a cultural touchstone over and over that you would like us to talk about. Um, I would be happy to do research on that too. But I I'm kind of gonna check out and see if the library has anything on this because it's fascinating to me. Yeah, like. Maybe, maybe that's what our book will be. Our real um, maybe if you write another book, it will be like an exploration of Peter Pan through the ages. Oh, I love that. I love that. Or we could just be talking about um, timeless books that, and why are they timeless? Oh, actually, uh, I just put a hold on an ebook that just came in at the library, and I'm so excited about it. Um, I, I I'm not I sure how book. you say her name. It's it's Maria Tatar. I'm not sure how you say it, but. Um, she's like a folklorist and she wrote like the annotated fairy tales, the annotated Alice in Wonderland. Like if you've seen those editions, um, she's really, really cool, but she has come out with a new book and it's called the heroine with a thousand and one faces, which is kind of a play on, there was a book, um, I think by Joseph Campbell, the hero with a thousand faces. And it was about the like male hero archetype in mythology and classic works and whatnot. And in this one, she was, like, examining feminine archetypes in mythology and classics and stuff like that. And I can't wait to read that one. I'm really psyched about it. Ooh, you have to let me know how that is. I I know it's going to be good, because everything I've read from her was amazing. I had one more thing about Peter Pan I wanted to bring up. Please. So do you remember, there was this very specific moment in time. I don't really remember what year. Everybody on the internet was obsessed with... Peter Pan's at Disney World. No, I do, and they really remind me of John Mark every time I oh, see really? them. But yes, I do remember that. Yeah, they're they're always so cute. They play with the kids. They're very interactive. They act very much like John Mark. If you Google the videos on YouTube, there's one of them in particular that really reminds me of John Mark. Oh gosh. I, okay, so I think there's kind of like two different things here. So there's like the the actual cute videos of actual Disney World Peter Pans that are adorable. But there was also <laughs> there was this really weird genre of like story that was going around on like Tumblr or whatever. Oh, Tumblr. <laughs> the, wow. Okay, this is like the classic one. Um, I guess it was kind of like it, this is kind of like the email, email forwards that used to go around. But like, because it was never, it was always very unspecific. <laughs> but it was like this one post where this girl was like, um, so I went to Disney World and Peter Pan was there and um, I shook his hand, and he saw that I had marks on my arm, like, from cutting. Like, sorry, trigger warning, but, like, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it was something where, and, and Peter Pan was like, Oh, no, you must have been fighting with pirates. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, hang on, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Um, my very specific Peter Pan memory is, as a child, not thinking there's anything weird about the fact that, um... The pirates defied physics, and when they were carrying a sword in their mouth, they cleanly bit oh, off a chunk of it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I found it. So this was the original Tumblr post. 
I've been wanting to meet Peter for years. Last week, my parents finally took us all to Disneyland. I saw Peter and immediately ran up to him and waved, saying he was my hero. He grabbed... <laughs> Sorry. Wait, why is he so a hero? He's not that great. I know, great. she clearly didn't listen to our episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Funny. This, is just, this is just so cheesy to me. Um, he grabbed my arms and saw my self-harm scars and frowned. He quickly said, no, no, you have battle scars. You, you, I'm sorry. You must have fought off a lot of stinky pirates. You, princess, are my hero. And he bowed and kissed my hand before hugging me tightly and whispering, You're beautiful. Please stop. In my ear, I cried the rest of the whole day. Oh, oh my God. So sweet. That so obviously didn't happen. <laughs> One thing where it's like, I went to Disneyland and like someone thought I was a princess. And I was like, no, little girl, be your own princess. And the person commented, it was also on Tumblr, and was like, I went to Disneyland and someone thought I, I was a trash person. <laughs> oh, it's this very like, specific and I feel genre that. of Tumblr story about like people getting life lessons from Disney World characters. Oh, it's always stuff like, I opened the door and guess who delivered the pizza? They look just like so-and-so. And then I was like, so-and-so. And they were like, yeah, and finished the quote. And I was like, uh-huh. Like, I'm sure that happened. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so that's um, um, all over the place I'll... episode about Peter Pan. Um, I would like to kind of do some more research and do maybe some more structured episodes in the future because I think it's just a really, really interesting topic. Um, hopefully you guys didn't mind too much that this was a little bit of a different episode um, because that's what it was. Um, yeah, and um, did you want to talk about what we're reading? Or... Yeah, 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 you go first. You don't have to if you don't. Um, I honestly have not been good on the reading front. I have three books that I'm still cycling through. Um, one of them is Fake by Erica Katz, which is about um art and um fraudulent art uh escapades. Um, and then I'm also screening two YA books for my 14-year-old book club, which is Legendborn and Renegades. Um and Legendborn is the one that's based off King Arthur, but it's, like, in college slash high school. And it's, it's okay. It's diverse. Good. Um, and then I haven't gotten very far in Renegades. Um, and then I'm also reading um, a book called Boundaries um, with my mom, which is quite good. I read uh, a, a great book this week, actually. Um, Piranesi. Oh, my God. It's so This is so funny, you guys. I just got to blow up your spot for a second. I read Piranesi last winter and i made a whole freaking like video about it on my instagram thing and i talked i had nauseam about it and then kelly like texted me and she was like pumped out this like pretty basic like plot point that i had mentioned a thousand times i was like girl do you not listen oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry no i'm kidding i i really am just being facetious but yes do you like it i was the whole time I was just, it reminded me kind of of, sorry, I know I totally interrupted your, what you were saying, but it kind of reminded me of like a mix of, um, it, it, it did feel very like C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy. Yeah, it me, was liminal uh, as heck. But no, um, no, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Like, um, it's not the most action packed of books ever. Um, I, like I I don't know I it it gave me so much food for thought I'm still kind of processing all of it but like no people you should go to Sarah's Instagram which is is it the bookstagram next door um no people should go and watch Sarah's videos about that because they were really good and she talks about the Jungian stuff again um or what I used to think was Jungians <laughs> Jungian um and yeah go watch Sarah's videos like they're really good um I don't know that I could add anything um that she didn't say in those videos but it was just like a it was a very thought-provoking book and i really really recommend it and um it also like i don't know it just was so liminal it was just like this is just like the the a book about liminality do you want to just for the sake of our audience do you want to expound on the idea of of liminality yeah absolutely um the so the best way that i would say to describe it is to go um, to r slash liminal 
Actually, I'm, I'm double checking. Is it liminal or sorry, liminal space? R slash liminal space. Um, and basically, what liminal means is it's kind of like a, a state or a place or um, time that isn't one thing and isn't the other, but it's kind of in between. Like a bus, yeah, a bus station or um, like the threshold of a door is considered to be liminal because it's not really inside, it's not really outside, um, or like a hallway or like a really good example in Narnia, the wood between the worlds is a liminal space. Um, so it's just it's really interesting and like it's one of those things I, I have like a lot of feelings about things that are liminal and I don't really know how to describe them because they're not exactly creepy. But they're just kind of uncanny. uncanny. Maybe is the right word. Yeah, yeah. Basically, in Piranesi, like I, I, that's a book. I really don't know how to describe Piranesi without um, giving away the plot and the twist. But anyway, um, it has a lot of doors in it. Has a lot of halls in it. Yeah, it. I, I feel like I, I don't. Yeah, I, I feel like I could talk forever about that book. I, um. And I have clearly, if you watch my Instagram, but um, it was like nothing I've ever read. And it's not even, I, I wouldn't even say that I like loved it, but it made me think and want to say a lot. And I think that's what makes yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like people should definitely read it, even if they don't love every minute of it. Yeah. It's, it's like nothing I've seen written in the, like lately. Like I, I kind of love that someone's still writing stuff like this and she is, it's interesting because like, like an older British lady who wrote it, and um, I kind of yeah. love that. Yeah, actually, if we can if we can think of a bad book that's similar, we could do a whole episode about it for sure. Oh, that'd be excellent. Um, I'm sure I can think of what we can yeah, think of. Yeah, some kind of bad <laughs> book about a maze or science experiments or oceans. Okay, okay, I'm gonna think on this. So, but yeah, um, is that about it for the episode? I think that's it. Um, make sure you follow us wherever you um, on Instagram, and then please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcast. And um, if you are liking this podcast, just let us know. And if there's something you would like to see, um, let us know that too. We do have a couple guests lined up, so if you think about dipping out, don't do that. Um, come back and check us out again because we will have some exciting people. To come chat with us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and check out our Instagram page, yeah. read.this.instead, uh-huh. for those sweet, sweet memes. Yes, yes, enjoy the memes. And if you have a book that you've read recently and you would just love to hear us shred it, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll be happy to look it over. So. All right. Ha- we'll talk. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.